Praise the Lord. It's good to be with you again. And I've got the honour of being the last speaker before you move next week into your premises and you'll be together praising the Lord. The only disappointment is we'll not be able to be with you. But one day soon, as we keep progressing and keep nudging the one that's interested in our uh, flat, keep nudging her to buy it so that we can come back to England, especially now that travel is easier, uh, we won't have to go into quarantine, uh, and so we're just looking forward to the day when we see you personally and able to, to praise the Lord together of God's goodness, not only for the past, but everything that he's got in store for us for the future until we see him face to face. Praise the Lord. Well, today we're looking into Job, an old book. In fact, the book of Job is actually the oldest book in the Bible. I know it doesn't appear near the beginning. As you probably know, our Bible is not written in chronological order. It's got a, chronology was not important to the ancient people. Themes were more important. And so we find Job coming towards the middle of the Old Testament, and it's in the grouping called the Poetic Books. Nevertheless, it is an old book, as I said, probably the oldest book in the Old Testament, because Job lived around the time of Abraham. So we know it's old. So when we look into such an old book, thousands of years old, what can we take from an ancient book that's relevant in 2021? Surely. Old books were for that time. Surely in a modern day, we need modern books. Ah, but the word of God doesn't work like that. Because there is a phrase that fits the word of God so well. And this is it. It's old, yet ever new. Old yet ever new. And so it's still relevant even today. And as we look through this ancient book, we're going to discover not everything. After all, it's not a short book. If we went into every detail concerning this book, well, we'd still be here at five o'clock this afternoon. And I'm sure that you've got other things that need to be done. So, but we'll look at a few things to teach us, few things to encourage us, few things to build us up so that we know the word of God is still relevant today. The word of God is a living word. So what can we learn? Well, when we look at the first thing, you might 
wonder, well, how is that encouraging? Okay. This is the first thing we want to look at. Are you ready? Bad things happen to good people. Now, you might be wondering, how does that encourage me today? That bad things do happen to good people. Well, we'll see. As we go through this book, we will see how we can be encouraged in this knowledge that not everything we'll go through will appear to be a good thing. So when we look into Job, the first chapter, and the first verse, what do we discover about this remarkable man? We see that Job was blameless, Job was upright, feared God, and turned away from evil. That's how he lived his life. And when his children gathered in their own homes and had a feast, so Job would make a sacrifice and come before God on their behalf as priest of the family, just in case his children had sinned against God. So that's the description. Blameless, upright, feared God, turned away from evil. And then, and then his life unraveled. Suddenly, everything changed. He lost his children. He lost his flocks. He lost his crops. He lost his health. Everything in the midst of blessing, suddenly everything is taken away and his sufferings began. Not because he was a bad man, but because of his faithfulness to God. Now, of course, we know something that Job didn't know. And something that Job was never told. Whoever wrote this book, a lot of people think that Moses wrote this, uh, wrote this book concerning Job. But whoever it was, Job himself or, or Moses, whoever, had divine revelation from God as to exactly what happened. You see, the thing about Job, he didn't know why everything was suddenly taken away. God never told him. And God never gave him a guarantee it wouldn't happen again. That's what we know. Job did not know. He didn't know that his suffering came about because of Satan's challenge to God. He didn't know that his suffering came about because he was faithful. He protested his innocence regularly. 
but he didn't understand why. Why did this happen? Job entered this period of suffering because he was faithful. Satan had challenged God. Job is only faithful because you bless him. Take away his blessings and he'll curse you to your face. So God said, he's in your hands. But this is the thing to remember. God put limits on Satan's activity. Satan cannot do exactly what he wants. He's given a certain freedom. But there are limits on what Satan can do. And God did that with Job. Touch him, but do not touch his life. We can rejoice in that. We go through, we all go at one time or another, we go through periods of testing, through periods of suffering, but God is still in control. And God puts limits on Satan's activity. Yes, Job was a good man. But he suffered. And we need to ask the question. Is that still relevant today? The fact that Job was a good man and yet suffered. Is that still relevant today? Now if we listen to some people. Especially on television. We listen to some. They would say. If you are suffering. You've not got enough faith. If you are suffering, you must be in sin. Well, is that what the Bible really says? Or is that what some men are saying and some women are saying? Let's have a look what the Bible really says. And this concerns us today. 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 12 Peter wrote and said, dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come upon you to test you. So first of all, Peter acknowledges we will go through fiery ordeals. But he says, well, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised as if it was something strange. So, those things that we go through, those testing times that we do not enjoy, but come nevertheless, we don't have to be surprised about them. We don't have to think it's something strange. In fact, when Peter writes to these people, he writes in the vein that if we are not suffering, if we're not going through ordeals, that would be the strange thing. Now, what, what Peter wants us to understand when Peter writes these things is that we are not to judge God's character or God's trustworthiness on our circumstances. 
whatever we go through, whatever difficult circumstances we may be in, this does not reflect on God's character. This does not reflect on God's trustworthiness. It could very well be, as with Job, that we are going through a time of testing. The thing to remember with any kind of testing, any fiery ordeal that we go through, this does not teach God anything. God knows the beginning from the end. He knows me better than I know myself. He knows me far better than I know myself. So God already knows. So he's not allowing testing times to come to find anything out. He already knows. The thing is concerning ourselves. We go through testing times for two reasons. The first reason is, do we really trust God? Like we say we do when things are going well. And the second thing is to reveal what's really in my heart. Let's face it, we make excuses for ourselves. We're very good at making excuses for ourselves. We're very good at blaming other people. So God wants to reveal to us what's really in our hearts. And as I've said many times to myself, the sooner that I learn what's really in my heart, the sooner I learn, do I really trust God? The sooner I repent of my lack of faithfulness, the sooner I'll be through this testing time and be back on the mountaintop. So good, bad things do happen to good people. And because not of our lack of faithfulness, because we need to know what's in our hearts and we have an enemy of our souls that wants to drag us away from the things of God. Well, this is the second thing that Job learned. He never lost his hope in God. If Job had lost his hope in God, that would have finished him. That would have been the end of him. But he didn't. He never, not once, though he didn't understand, though he had many questions to ask, but he never lost his hope in God. In fact, in the, in the, right in the middle of this awful testing time that Job went through, he made a wonderful statement of faith in God. You'll find it in chapter 13 and verse 15. This is what Job said. Even if 
God kills me, yet will I hope in him. What a wonderful statement to make. What a wonderful statement of faith to make in God. Even if God kills me, yet will I hope in him. See, we have to remember that in the Old Testament, the Bible characters did not really know a lot about the devil. He's not mentioned very often in Genesis, in Isaiah, and in Ezekiel. And in the Old Testament, that's about your lot concerning knowledge of the devil. We learn more about him from the New Testament. So as far as the Old Testament saints were concerned, everything came from God, whether good or bad. So Job said, this wonderful statement of faith, even if God kills me, I will hope in him. And this word hope has a wonderful meaning. Not got the meaning that we often give to the word hope. For us, in many cases, the word hope means wishful thinking. Cross your fingers, cross your toes, cross everything, and hope for the best. Wishful thinking. That's not the meaning of the Bible word hope. No, oh, it's got a, a far greater, more important meaning than wishful thinking. You want to know what it is? Some of you will already know. But if you don't know, then the word for hope means a sure certainty. A sure certainty. When we talk about our hope in God, we are saying we have a sure certainty in God. What a wonderful meaning that Bible word hope has. A sure certainty. You see, if our hope is in God, if we have a sure certainty in God, there is nothing and there is no one that can steal our joy and our peace, even in those difficult times. In fact, the New Testament calls upon us to joy in the God of our salvation, even in those difficult times. Why? Our hope is in God. We will come through. So even though Job was going through a tremendous time of difficulty and great suffering, he said, I'm ready to die still trusting in God. He would not allow anything. He would not allow any circumstance. He would not allow anybody to rob him of his sure certainty in God. And in our difficulties and problems in life, we must remember, keep
keep fixed in our heart, we must never, never, never lose our sure certainty in God. See, there's an old, old hymn, very old hymn. And I won't quote it all, but this is what the chorus of that hymn says. God is still on the throne and he will remember his own. Job discovered that, that God was still on the throne. Job discovered that God had not forgotten him and did remember him. That's what we need to keep fixed in our hearts. We have a sure certainty in God that he is still on the throne and he will remember his own. You see, in the New Testament, there is a misquote. It comes on our Christmas cards very often about God showing favor to all mankind. But it's misquoted. What it actually says is that God chooses who he rests his favor on. God chooses who he rests his favor on. And his favor rests on his people. His favor rests on his children. We are God's favorites. Job, going through his suffering, found God had not forgotten him, but was bringing him right through. The third thing that Job has to teach us, God never fails. When Job began his sufferings, he'd lost his children, his flocks, his crops, his health. And even his wife, not through harshness, I hasten to add, Job's wife did not turn against him, but Job's wife was so in anguish because of his suffering, she said, oh Job, curse God and die, be out of your suffering. And then his friends turned up, three at first and then another one later on. They were so shocked at the turnaround in Job's fortunes, they just sat with him for seven days and never said a word. <coughs> but what kind of encouragement did these friends really bring? They said, Job, you must be in sin. Otherwise, God would not be treating you like this. Job, you must have angered God in some way to be going through this. Some friends. When you've got friends like that, you don't need enemies, do you? And what did Job say about his so-called friends? Well, in chapter 16 and verse, 12, uh, verse 2, 16 and verse 2, 
he said, comforters? You're all miserable comforters. That was Joe summing up of his friends. But Job found strength. Even in his the greatest suffering that he had ever been through, Job found strength from somewhere. And in chapter 19, Job makes this amazing declaration. Verses 25 to 27. Job declared where his strength came from. He said this, I know, no shadow of doubt, I know that my Redeemer lives. And at the last, he will stand upon the earth. Now, this is Job speaking. He did not even have the Old Testament, certainly not the New Testament. Nothing yet had been written about God and God's ways and God's plans for mankind. But Job was still able to say, I know my Redeemer lives and at the last he will stand upon the earth. And after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh I will see God whom I shall see for myself. My eyes shall behold him and not another. What an amazing statement of faith. He got no Bible. He got God. But he was able to declare, my God will stand upon the earth. My God lives and it will be me that sees him through my eyes and no one else's eyes. Our God never fails. And one day, we, you, me, we will see our Redeemer face to face. There's another hymn that says, face to face with Christ my Saviour. Face to face, what will it be? When with joy I behold him, Jesus Christ, who died for me. There's coming a day, and every day is one day nearer, when we will see our Redeemer face to face with our own eyes in our flesh. We will see God. Yes, he is alive. He's alive today. He's alive forevermore. And because he lives, I can face tomorrow with victory. I'll say it again. He is alive today and forevermore. And because he lives, I can face tomorrow with victory. What a wonderful saviour is Jesus, my Lord. A wonderful saviour to me. He hides my soul in the depths of his love and covers me there with his hands. 
Now, Job did struggle, there's no doubt about it. He didn't have the knowledge that we've got. And Job wrestled especially. Job wrestled with God's silence. 25 times Job said, why? Why am I going through this? Why are you doing this? Why? 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 Yes, he'd entered the fiery furnace of suffering. But even through that, he discovered something. And he would not charge God with evil. He would not turn against God. Because this is what Job discovered. Not in the good times, but in the bad times. Not in the times of obvious blessing, but in his times of suffering. Job discovered these things about God. The Lord is our good shepherd and never leaves our side. His promises, he will never leave us nor forsake us. He's our good shepherd and never leaves us. Job discovered, not in the good times, but in the bad times, in the valley of despair, Job discovered the restoration of his soul. He discovered that God was with him even in the valleys. And when Job was so thoroughly weary of this testing time, he found God had never left him. God had never forsaken him. God was still walking with him. And in his times of weariness, Job's soul was restored. When he was at his rock bottom, his soul was restored and said, I know my Redeemer lives and I will see him. When it seemed that Job had lost his way, he found yet again the paths of righteousness. And he found courage when he was fearful what was going to happen. He found there was comfort even in his times of hurting. Yes, he discovered God never fails. That's what God wants us to understand. Those times of difficulty, life problems. We don't know which way to turn and which way to go. He wants us to take our eyes off the mundane, take our eyes off our circumstances, fix our eyes on Jesus, the God who never fails. The fourth thing that we learn from Job, God is always, always, always in control. 
that God is the creator of the universe, not just our little world where we live, but the entire universe, God created that universe. He is so mighty. He's so powerful that he was able to create with a word of his mouth the entire universe that mankind would love to discover. And every time they discover something, they discover there's something more still to discover. So if God is in complete control of the entire universe, surely, surely I can trust him with my life. If God cares for the entire universe, surely he cares for me. See, what we discover in the first chapter of the book of Job is that nothing happened in Job's life that did not first go through God's hands. Everything that Job experienced, the bad things that Job experienced, first went through the hands of a loving God. The things that happened to you, the experience that you are going through right now, has first gone through the hands of a loving God. It means he knows all about it. It means he's not forgotten us. It means he's working on our behalf to bring us right through into victory yet again. See, when we read through the word of God, we discover that scripture continually points to a God who is always, always in control. From the first word of creation in Genesis to the return of our Lord Jesus Christ in Revelation, God has always, always, always remained in control. Not only of the universe, of my personal life. If I put my life in God's hands, everything that happens to me first goes through God's hands, goes through the hands of a loving God. How do I know? We turn to the New Testament again. One of my favorite parts of the New Testament. I'm always quoting it. Romans chapter 8, verses 38 and 39. Some of you will know it straight away. This is what Paul wrote. And Paul suffered. He didn't suffer when he was against God. He suffered when he put his faith in God. Imprisonments, beatings, left for dead, finally martyred. But this is what Paul said, Romans 8, 38 to 39. I am convinced 
right? I am convinced neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. God is always, always in control and nothing, nothing will separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So what can we learn? Well, we've learned, first of all, good things do happen, uh, bad things do happen to good people. But we are never to lose our sure certainty, our hope in God. Why? God never fails because he is always in control. So, here is the final question. Will the God, the God who created and sustains the entire universe, take care of you and me? Well, let's look at our final scripture. Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 and 26. Jesus himself, this is Jesus himself speaking. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not your life more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap, neither gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you of more value than they? The answer is yes. Why? Because God created you and me, not after the animals, but in his own image. We don't need to be anxious, friends. Even in the darkest periods of our life, we are still of value. And nothing goes through the hands of God, and nothing comes to us without it first goes through the hands of God. He knows. He cares. My encouragement to you this morning. Keep walking with Jesus. Be found faithful in the things of God. Your reward is on its way. Job was blessed with double of everything because of his faithfulness. And my friends, your reward is on its way. Remain faithful.
Lord, we pray in the name of Jesus that through this ancient book this morning, we have been encouraged that even in the darkest periods of our life, you never leave us nor forsake us. You are with us to see us through into victory. You are there to see us through where we can crush Satan under our feet and walk in victory with our Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, for your word that continually encourages us that you've never left us, you've never forsaken us. We give you all the praise and all the glory. Amen. <laughs>